Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Small Talk Big Ideas, where we small talk with brand and business owners and exchange big ideas through experience sharing. And I'm Brian. We have Minghan right here, and today's guest, um, some of you may know him through the OG um, blogosphere days where mm-hmm. he started this company called Napneng. And if you don't know about that, maybe you know him through his wife, Four Feet Nine. Um, and most recently, he has a company called Colony. Uh, let's introduce uh, Timothy. Hey. <laughs> Hello, everyone. So, yeah, so Timothy, for those who may or may not know you, maybe you could give a brief intro. Okay, so I, I am all of the above, an entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, husband, father, son. Um, you know, I have, I'm happy to be married to an influencer also. Hey. Um, goes by the Instagram tag of like four feet nine. I, I have two really cute kids, one five and one seven, a boy and a girl. And... Um, yeah, and I, I'm now 36, and I've been doing business right out of graduation since I was 22. So, I've been an entrepreneur for maybe 14 years now. Mm. Yeah, and the, the first uh, company I, I started was a company called Nafneng. So uh, that's a company we started here, and then we grew to uh, offices in like up to nine different countries. Mm. Uh, eventually, did an IPO in Australia, and um, yeah, you know, and and eventually I, I kind of. Uh, I, I exited that, that company and I've since now gone into another company called uh, Colony, right? So okay. three years ago, we, I started Colony with, um, with with this team of people that I work with now. And, um, you know, it's Colony is essentially a luxury co-working space. So we have five locations now in in Malaysia, in KL, all in KL. Um, we, we've done pretty okay. We, we do, since we started, we raised something like 7 million US dollars in um, funding from investors, equity, and also from like landlords for paypax contributions. So it built like really, really nice uh, workspaces. And, and our idea is, is, is not to create like a co-working space, like a WeWork where it looks, um, you know, it, where it's all about startups or collaboration and all that. But for us, our, our goal is to create like, uh, to change the experience of work. So essentially, we if you go to our spaces, it feels like, you're going to work at the Four Seasons or at the Ritz Carlton. Oh, yeah, it looks luxury. luxurious. And then there's a concierge and butler that like takes care of you if you need anything. Mm. Um, a lot of things like, yes, I just heard that one of our team, uh, one of our guests in one of our spaces, um, actually just happened to match it passing that he had a flat tire in his mm-hmm. car. And then one of our concierge guys during lunchtime went down and, and replaced that tire for him. Oh, yeah, wow. Like, yeah, so they do stuff like that. <laughs> That's value yeah. added service, man. <laughs> That's some service, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we did it, and it's no no charge at all. We just like you know, uh, I mean, our, our mission is to change the experience of work and make work feel great, mm. So so yeah, I mean, so since then we've been doing that. Um, we've been um, as a we've done. I think we've done pretty pretty okay. Um, since we started three years ago, every quarter we've seen like growth, quarter and quarter growth. The first mm. time we actually had a, a dip is actually this Q one with this COVID mm. thing happening. And I think yeah. Q2, Q2 also will be challenging for us um, because like a third of our revenue come from events, right? And guess how many events are happening these days? <laughs> Almost none. Like, none. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah. zero. La. So yeah. it's sad la, because we went in from a, from a, you know, a, a good like profitable position to uh, in the last quarter uh, in Q4 to hmm. now like, well, still, profit in, uh, still profitable in Q1, but 
I think Q2 will be a loss for us. Yeah, so that's right. that's challenging. Yeah. Like how's how's MCO in general like for mm. for you guys? Yeah, I mean, so events actually we started feeling it since like maybe early Feb. Hmm. Since this COVID thing started in China already, so like we already had like events that we cancelled and all that. Um, but you know, by the time March hit and before MCO, obviously that turned to zero uh, For office side, we are a bit better because a lot of our clients, because we're higher end, right? So a lot of our clients are like corporates or um, you know more stable companies. Hmm. So so most of them are are, are quite okay. Touchwood, you know, and uh, <laughs> we don't have too many defaults and everything. Um, yeah, you know, so that that's keeping us steady, lah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good and bad, lah, you know. And but I mean, the the bad is that, you know, like I I I walked to I've been into some malls lately, and they're all packed with people now. Seems oh, like yeah. everything's back to normal, right? But I I don't think events is gonna come back anytime. Yeah. Rest of the year, maybe. Uh, for events, like my wife is in the wedding yeah. business. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that landscape is not gonna be the same for a very long time. Um, yeah. It's it's gonna be like a complete barren wasteland for like the next one year. Yeah, and then suddenly it's just gonna shift, and you're gonna find everyone trying to get married in twenty twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> all the postponed weddings. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I thought I thought it's quite interesting having you on today because right, with I mean for those who guys are listening, I think if it was without Tim and what he started, Brian and I would have never met each other. <laughs> That's actually yeah. the truth. That is a hundred percent the truth. Uh, because Brian, I, I think Nafneng is what connected everyone uh, back in the in the day. Yeah, uh, that's true. I was not. A, yeah, Brian was a huge big time blogger back then. Um, no, no, no. But, one but, of those small time bloggers. <laughs> um, but for me, uh, I I was much smaller, and I was like fiddling around with like uh, like random random things, and I think that's kind of where I I saw like Nafneng events and. Uh, all these kind of things happening. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Dim. Because of what you started, uh, yeah. we met each other. Thank you. I think nothing, nothing actually opened up a lot of possibilities back then, especially when back then, uh, content now nowadays content creation is all about like YouTube making videos and all. But back then, it's like writing blogs, right? Mm-hmm. So it opened up a lot of opportunities for people who who went to like blogging. And mm-hmm. at the same time, they'll be able to like earn a side income out of it, uh, uh, join some events, connecting, networking. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was a great initiative back then. Uh, so, I mean, let's get back to the past for a bit. Like, maybe you could let us know a bit of your Nafneng experience. What sparked the idea of Nafneng initially? Um, wow. I mean, this, yeah, this is like, how many years ago, man? This is 13, 13 years ago, man. Yeah. I think about 13 years ago, I, I think like um, blogging was just like starting out right then. And and I first started as a blog reader. So I was reading a lot of blogs and then I I kind of, you know, I used to think that blogs were just this very niche thing back then. But as I got to know more bloggers, I found out that actually they every blog had quite a number of readers and collectively they had a huge audience. Mm. Um, and you know, I was wondering why is it that you know nobody really bought ads from bloggers? Uh? So I mm. thought, okay, maybe if you can, you know, if each blogger is too small on its own to approach an advertiser, if if a company can aggregate a big bunch of them with technology and, and all that, right. um, then you could you know we could approach like DG or something with you know a solution that you could reach five thousand bloggers at one go or something. So mm. so yeah, I know it's like we, um so we came up with the idea and then we, we just 
tried it out, you know. <laughs> and I mean, to be honest, it wasn't like this. Um, I mean, the way we started, it wasn't like, oh, okay, this is a plan, and then we executed it to the T. I think mm-hmm. like many things didn't go as planned, and it was kind of like a haphazard, right. um, making making shit up as we go along, <laughs> and then we just, right. just got lucky, lah. To be honest, right. What was that was like in two thousand something? Yeah, two thousand seven. Wow, two thousand seven. Yeah. A lot of things have changed since then, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I think like there was a time where it was uh, like the blogging sphere was it became the staple for a good how how would I say a good ten five to ten years? Yeah, I'm not wrong. And then yeah. like uh, online video started. When all you know, internet started picking up. Uh, Malaysia got better access into yeah. into like internet speeds. What do you think about the industry today? Like where it's at? Okay, so so nothing eventually evolved from blogs to influencers to a whole range of digital media services. Uh. Mm. So they uh, it, it actually owns. Um, I mean, it actually does quite a number of things, but everything digital. Mm. Uh, so when I left, I left in twenty sixteen. You know, and and. Within a year of me leaving, I, f- I feel like the industry had moved on so quickly that whatever I knew then or whatever I know now is, is really mm. very out of date, to be honest. Uh, right. I mean, you guys definitely know far more than I do right now. Like, right. What, what is hot and what is not? What, how, what's, the la- you know, what's, the, how do you, what's the latest measurements like? Or, mm. you it, know, it's, it, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different world now, suddenly. Yeah, you know, I, and then we talk about a year, right? Just within six months. So, I mean, honestly, I, I have a lot of friends who still come to me and ask me about stuff like influencers and all that. Hey, you know, do you, you know, you know about this, right? You, can you do this? Can you do that? And, and I was like, oh, shit, man. You know, to be honest, I'm really the wrong person to ask now because right. I, I really don't know um, anything about what, what it's like right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, I was reading this article uh, mm-hmm. that you did an interview back then. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned something about like you first started Nafnang out of passion and then along the way things started to change right yeah something along that lines so maybe you could let us know i mean i think things might get a bit deeper i don't know but uh what was the change of purpose or passion along the way like what happened is it because of like business profitability or what what has changed um you know i started off and then it's just our passion, and my expectations were were really really lower. I didn't expect to make much money out of it. I just wanted to be able to pay my salary of two thousand ringgit a month for myself, um, mm. and I did. I did for the beginning, which is like I got like one thousand seven hundred seventy point two five after EPF and profit deduction. I still remember the number, <laughs> um, you know. But I I don't know. Things just kind of like um, started evolving from there, you know. I just. I, you know, there really was no like real big plan. It's just like kind of like you hop from one thing to another and another. And and then before I, we know it, it's like, okay, it's come to a certain size. Uh. Hmm. Yeah, we, we were at the right place at the right time. Uh, the, the right kind of people supported us, whether they were clients, uh, bloggers like yourselves, um, you know, like all sorts of things. Like, you know, and we messed up in so many ways, you see, but we were just lucky we were given so many chances. Hmm. Yeah. I feel that's a very common theme. If we could go back like six years, seven years, I think we'd slap all ourselves as well. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I think, I think in, in, some kind of, uh, in some kind of nostalgic sense, it is the stupidity of youth that 
gives you that impulse to build something. And then it suddenly takes on its own life, right? Because I think if you went back to that time, yeah. would you build the same thing, knowing what you did now? Okay, I don't know if I built the same thing, <laughs> but I know that I would have managed things like very differently. A, a good manager, right, needs a lot of empathy. And I think that I, I, I lacked it. So, okay, I'll give you an example, right? Um, something I never really talked about openly like, oh, back then, right? But this is like 10 years ago. So we used to, we, in nothing, right? We would always pay the full month salaries very early. Like right. maybe, I think by the 18th of the month, you get, everybody would get it. Right. Mm. You know, and, and we just carry on for a long time. But there was one particular month, there was a right. bit of delay because some, because like, um, um, like I think some salespeople were a bit late or something to, to submit the commissions. So the finance right. team delayed it. Lah. And so they, instead of paying out on the 18th, they were, we paid it out maybe on the 24th or 25th, like a week later. Right, right. right which is still well, well below the 28th, the 30th mm. deadline. Right. Right. Because we paid a full month. We don't even pay for it. We paid a full month salary. Right. So then, so then uh, we, I had a, a number of like colleagues lah, who were not happy about it. They were like, hey, you know, we're, we're totally out of money now. We're out of money because, you know, you, you, you you pay us salary late, is it? And okay. now at, at that point, I was like, but why? It's not like we pay you guys salary late. We're paying you guys early every month. Then yeah. one month we just pay it like still early, but just still what early, but just a bit later than what we usually yeah. do, you see? Yeah. So I, and I, I personally got like quite, quite upset. And then, you know, along with the finance team, we, we all just said, okay, you know what? We're just going to make it 28 of every month and that's it. Mm. You know? And we left it at that. Lah. Mm. You see, that, that was me then. You know, I'm too caught up about seeing things from um, my own perspective. Right. But now, if I look back, when I look back at the same scenario then, what I didn't realize is that, yes, yes, it doesn't make us wrong. We're still paying, we're still paying salaries early, right? But what I failed to empathize with then was that many people budget for when they get that salary. Right. Let's say the 18. Even though officially right. they don't get the 30th, they right. still have gotten used to a spending pattern of 18. Yeah. So when you drag it by a week, all of a sudden, it, it, you know, they, they're caught like wrong-footed on a bit, you see? Right. right. So really, right. That, that guy back then is like, just a punk that needs to slap, right? that's why. <laughs> I guess before we move on to Colony, maybe you could share like, throughout your experiences in nothing, mm-hmm. what's the one key thing that, or of whatever key learnings that you learn from? I, I mean, I was getting overconfident. Like, I would... Um, it, it all starts getting out of head, right? Like, mm. so we're growing, we're doing well. Um, it was like, like making money was, wasn't like so, such a difficult thing. You know, we just work hard and then the money came, you know? Mm. I, I didn't have the experience of what it's like to work hard, right? And then not have money come back right. then. Mm. Now I have. Now I know. <laughs> like you work hard, right? But you just don't earn the money. Right. You, know, you work hard and you still lose money. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a... A learning process for me, But I guess I, I'm I'm glad that I kind of realized this now, and rather than never. And you know, I'm, you know, I've I've kind of like, I'm I'm, I've been working on changing the way I work uh, and the way I am, like, Generally, as a as a person. I, I think the way you change literally. I mean, speaking I mean speaking about the way you literally change, yeah. you switched from I mean that line of thought, uh, the whole social media marketing angle. Why, why suddenly, like, what was that random pivot into Colony? Was it because, you know, you're servicing clients who you found that, okay, has a new need that you want to cater to? Was it like an interest somewhere? Was it, 
uh, you know, what sparked the idea to come up with Colony? Like, mm. It's such a different thing. It's like, uh, we're doing video now and tomorrow, maybe suddenly we go into like, you know, uh, car dealership. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, what, what, what happened? Yeah. I guess when I left, right? I mean, there were many reasons why I left the company, but mm. um, one of the reasons is also I felt like I, I, I lost a sense of purpose, uh, mm. right? Like, you know, I, I tell you, when, when it was apparent to me, right? I have this friend of mine, he's, he's an insurance agent. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and I was asking him, uh, I was asking, hey, why, what, why, why do you do your job, right? What, what purpose drives you? Mm. And he said, you know, Tim, like many years ago, I, went, I had a client of mine who, who died. Mm. And then I, he had life insurance with me. So I brought a check um, to his family after his passing and I gave it to his wife. Right? And when, when, his, wife, when, when his wife saw it, mm. he, she like, really, really, really broke up in tears and, oh my God. and was like, you know, thank you. Uh, this, this, this really saved us right now, you know. And, and they can kind of like find closure, mourn in peace while they don't have to worry about the financial aspect of it, right? And he said to him, you know, that's how I knew what my purpose is in my job. I, I want to help people prepare for the difficulties that may hit us in life. Mm. Now, when I heard that, right, I was like, what the fuck? What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I do ads. Literally, you know what I mean? I, I get influencers to post stuff sponsored postings on, on, on <sighs> social media sites, right? That other people don't want to read, you know? Like, oh my God. No, no thank, no, no, no client ever comes, you know, like nobody ever Here comes I, and say, hey, bro, the, you really the sponsored that. posts are uh, that Ming Ting put on it on, on for, for whatever brand, right? Wow, was them power lah. You know, like nobody ever thanked me for that kind of shit. You know, I wasn't really expecting any change, you know? Right, right. You know, especially in my position now, if, if you're a if you're a journalist, you know you're you're kind of like you know telling stories, you're sharing the stories to other people, you're, you're informing people. That, that can be a mission that drives you. If right. you're if you're a YouTuber like yourself, it's it's an entertainment like making people laugh and all that. Right. But really, like, What what did I really do that affected right, right. change? Right. So you, you know, you wanted you were looking for something that impacted individuals more significantly, la. Yeah, I, I wanted to to make people's lives better, la. Mm. You know, and and this when. At first, I so then at first I, when I first came across co-working, was I went to right. Jakarta and saw a friend and he opened a co-working space, and he was telling me about this concept. Then he was like, "Oh, this is like it's like kind of like you know we work you know it's this big company and it's about community and all these things among startups and freelancers, you know." And and I didn't buy into that so much at first because I'm like, "Okay, so it's it's a place for startups to kind of mingle," but then mm. it's the the change you can effect is just a small part of the population, like startups maybe account for like 1% of the population or something, right. you know? Right. So, mm. so that, that, that doesn't really help a lot of people. Mm. And, and then what changed was that one day, I was like running around, around KLCC Park in the early in the morning, okay. um, training for a marathon. Right. And, and I saw people going up to, um, walking up from the car parks to work, right? right. And, and then I noticed like, as they're walking to offices and everything, they all look pretty down. Like they're all like just zombie walking or just looking at the phone. <laughs> Nobody was, not a single person was skipping to work or smiling to work or anything like that. It was just kind of like Yeah, you seem to be looking for very impossible things. So <laughs> <people> <laughs> <skipping> <laughs> <to work. laughs> okay, yeah, but I get you. Yeah, I get you. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so, so it hit me then that, that actually in the past 20 years, right, like so many things in our lives have changed, right? Like mm. we, we travel a lot more. Right. We, you know, we're used to service everywhere we go. We go to a shop, right? If you want to buy something and there's no one to help you, you just walk out and you go buy somewhere else. Yeah. You know, within, within 10 seconds. We're mm. still used to this, right? But work is still the same as 20 years ago. Largely the same. We still mm. go into the same cubicle-like environments. Yeah. Um, we still have like a pantry with an espresso machine kind of thing. And yeah. if we... If, if there is any, the only thing that's changed is technology and that's more like increasing productivity than changing the experience of work, of how, how people feel at work. Right. You know? Right. So, you know, so I, I thought, okay, what if I can create like a space where people will feel good at work? Like, what if going to work can feel like you're going to a staycation at the St. Regis every day? Right. Not just how it looks, but you have food and everything there. You have uh, the room service. We <laughs> have room service. Right. We have a, a concierge that, that takes care of you, you know, mm-hmm. if you need anything. Right. So, so yeah. So, and today, I mean, it's three years on. Right? Today, some, what, five, six hundred people go to work in a colony somewhere in KL and, and, and live work through this new experience. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, so like, like you mentioned your insurance agent has a, has, a, has his own purpose and mission, right? What would be your version of it now? For me, you know, for me, it's like we, we spend so much time at work. We spend like at least eight hours a day um, and five days a week, 40 hours a, a, a week, which is quite a lot of our time at work, time that we have awake, you know? So if, if we could make people happier at work, then we can make people's life overall a lot better, you know? And sure, there's something that we can't influence so much. We can't influence like how happy they are at work and based on what they, you know, like we, um, whether they like doing what they're doing, whether they get along with their boss, you know? but we can change the environment in which they are in. If, if you are at work and your tire punctured, right, you're just sien because you know you cannot yeah. sit until after 5.30 and then after 5.30, you're quite tired already, but you're going to do it before you jam all the way back. You know, like where else would you go to where somebody literally fixes it for you while you're at work? Absolutely. At no cost. Yeah, at no cost. You know, oh, so, right. yeah, so I mean, when, so we came out with that, I'm like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, you know, this, this is the purpose that I, I I could relate to, mm. and, and and that's what drives us today, lah, You know. Do you think that had to do with? I mean, because earlier you spoke about empathy, and I think a lot of this now is, you know, it's a whole thing, lah. Like um, emotional intelligence in the workplace, yeah. uh, taking care of you know your whole being as a individual, not just as a worker. Yes. That that really made the switch, you know, from your previous. Yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do think that like, um, you know, when people are happy at work, they work better. Not just, you know, it makes sense for companies, right? They're more yeah. productive. They, Absolutely. They work better, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come home smiling. Like, and they skip to work on Monday. Basically, that's yeah. the goal. To skip yeah. into work on Monday. I mean, I've been to Colony. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the one that, that you guys opened and you know, we, we were able to shoot at. Uh, when I stepped in, I thought it was a hotel concierge. Yeah. Basically, uh, it is beautiful because I think for those of you guys who are listening in or watching who has never seen uh, New York before, you can go to Colony in uh, what was that one? Uh, Bukit? Eh, is it the Bukit? Is it Star Boulevard, right? Uh, Star Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is a gorgeous place. I think the, <laughs> amount of, the amount of work you guys put into it really shows and um, you don't have to take it from Tim. You can take it from us. We shot there. It's beautiful enough. It's beautiful enough to shoot. So yeah. that gives you guys an idea about how lovely it is. Yeah. Um, random question: role models. You know, in terms of it could be in terms of you know an overarching one over your whole life. Yeah. Something in terms of like what made you make the switch. Do you have 
someone you you use as an example, uh, you know, to set either in your work, your work culture, your work habits, so on and so forth, or are you like, you know, uh, a, a typical Asian dad, which is just like you know my way or the highway. Let me just rough this through and keep on going. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I mean I, there I I wouldn't say really role models, but mm. there are a lot of things in different people that I draw lessons from, uh, right. and they did not they need not be like Richard Branson or I mean you mm. know or, or like Warren Buffett. I mean there's there certain attributes I I really draw and I, I draw inspiration from that these guys have, but right. it, sometimes it's just from the everyday people I meet as well. You know, if I see someone who's very very, um, what what really impresses me right are people who are very empathetic and, and compassionate that mm. um, such that when something bad happens to them, they, they don't get, they don't get angry, you know, they they they, they know they, they instead seek to try to understand why this person treated them like that. Mm. And and there's a there's an understanding there that look, whatever this person's reason for doing it, mm. I may not see it right now, but I assume that it's a good reason. Right. You know? And and once you understand that, right, that however someone treats you or something he believes is a good reason. Once you understand that's what he was thinking, right? You, you kind of take it less personally and, and you're a lot more calm and you can handle situations a lot better. Now, you know, if somebody, let's say if somebody in the LRT, right, and then bumps into you and mm-hmm. then, you know, or you bump into him and then he tells you off and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the reason why he, he, he told you off need, need not be, in fact, it's most likely not because of you. It could be because this guy's been having a bad day all week. It's mm-hmm. because... Maybe this guy's upbringing in his childhood has taught him that in order to not be bullied, this is how he needs to react when people, you know, seemingly attack him. You know, there are many, many variables which we may not Mm. ever understand on why someone acts a certain way. Mm -hmm. But one thing we know is that once, if we can do, if we can understand it, right, then then we'll know it's not about us, you know, and, and it makes us less angry. You know, because then it's not us that being that's being under attack. It's really this person who's just reacting because he's been forged that way to react this way. Yeah. So you 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 mentioned about uh, empathetic being yeah. uh, treating people right, right? Yeah. So how how do you keep your internal team in check? Like how do you maintain a good team culture in your business? Like, oh, okay. The, yeah. Okay, so how things are run in Colony is very different, yeah. right? From from nothing. So right. And this is part of a lesson for me, right? Because mm. when Colony first started, right? Um, honestly, within the first six months, we were doing quite quite well, numbers-wise. Mm. You know, re- revenues are growing, profits were growing and everything. You know, it, it was, we were doing well, right? But mm. internally as a team, right, we were, we were a huge mess. There was, mm. there was a lot of politics. Uh, there were people were having a lot of arguments. It was a, we had a lot of turnover. You know, it was it wasn't mm. great, lah. You know, and even our levels of hospitality is, is nothing compared to now. So, mm. and you know, back then I I I was like, I was like, well, what what the heck's going on here? You know, what I mean, like I thought that I knew how to manage teams. You know, from my nothing days and all that. You know, I I I helped grow a company from a two man team to a two hundred fifty person organization. So, what's wrong with me, right? The common denominator here is me, mm. right? So. So then I started reading a lot of books, and then I, I, I learned a lot of things like how, how to manage teams, how to, uh, how to build culture, you know, and, and today, like, Colony is, I mean, Colony is just like, a, the, the result of Colony, right, it's, it's not, really not because of me, but it's really because of this really, really good team that we have. Uh. Um, right. 
to, to give an idea of how we work, it's, it, it's a culture of uh, meritocracy. So, you know, the best ideas win. So, mm-hmm. you know, if um, we, we're all meant to be radically honest and transparent with one another. So if in a meeting and I give a stupid idea, then they'll say, somebody else must say, look, Tim, I think it's a stupid idea. Um, it doesn't matter that there's, it doesn't matter who's boss or whatever title you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we're, we're very open with the team. So we share all our financials with everyone, everyone on the team, every month. Mm-hmm. We share how much money we make, how much money we don't make. Um, you know, we, I've learned to give very clear goals for everyone. So good leadership is about having very clear goals for, um, for, for the team, right? This is what I want to achieve. And then showing, showing everyone how their mini goals kind of add up to the, to the main goal. Mm. Yeah, for that we use this thing called uh, objective key results, uh, it's, it's OKRs. Mm. So yeah, so beyond that, once you get all this like structure in place and all that, um, then it's really about taking care of the team. Uh. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a strong believer of, you know, if you take care of the team, the team will take care of the customers. The customers will take care of the shareholders. I think we come from like the other extreme. Like <laughs> we were never about work. We were always about people. But <laughs> I think the like from both sides over-focusing on people uh, and over-focusing on work, they both have their own set of pros and cons and we had to like learn how to bring it closer to that middle. Like I can feel <laughs> if you come from a very work, work-based thing and then suddenly you try to get human people get awkward. <laughs> and then yeah. If you come from a very people-centered thing and you try to get too structured, people feel like, wait, why are you pressuring us? Why are you pressuring us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like, I think we, we definitely have... Um, <laughs> We definitely have the flip side of the story, a hundred percent. Going going into like structure, because Brian was the one. Like Brian is very in charge of a uh, structure, how how things go out. He has his own set of OKRs where he gives to the whole team. Yeah. Uh, and and I think the minute we started rolling that out as well, you can see like, uh, I think structure works a hundred percent. But um, you you definitely have that people element, like balancing it from people into work and from your side, hearing from yeah. you. Yeah. Balancing it from work into more people, uh, people-centric, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really the sweet spot somewhere in the middle where things start working. Yeah, like just adding on to what Minghan has said and your, your point as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've, we've been trying out this whole OKR thing as well. Yeah. But how do, you, how do you get your whole team to be on board for it? Like, mm-hmm. Some people may not work well with structure. Some yeah. people will abide to it. So yeah. how do you juggle with this? Yeah, so, you know, to get to this point, right, it took us, like, two, two full years to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it's like, it's like instituting one, one thing at a time, right? So, for example, even the culture of, like, radical honesty or transparency, like, not, not everyone's comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. People who, who, some people be like, oh, shit, you know, I, if, if I think Ming is doing a bad job, I don't want to go and tell him, you know, why can't I tell my manager and you sort it out? I, I don't want to be confrontational about it, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and I get that, you know what I mean? And, and, and I respect that. So, you know, so eventually if, if these people don't feel like this culture fits them, then they leave and then you find people who, who match right. the culture. So there's a whole process with hiring and, and, and all that also that, that, you know, you need to kind of like find good people. Last time we were very haphazard about hiring. We interview someone, I think you can do the job. Okay, you know, one body, let's go, right? But mm. now we're, we're quite strict. Um, you know, uh, and so you asked in, in regards to OKRs, like, Eventually, right, you know, initially it was a bit like slow to start, but eventually once everyone got into the momentum of it, it was just, it was just like, it just works so well. 
we, we don't micromanage anyone, we empower people to do the stuff, you know, and everyone is just like so motivated at their own goals. And, yeah. and it cuts so much politics, you see, because you don't have anyone saying, oh, I work so hard, I do so much for the company, because everyone can see on the, in, in the OKRs, how are you doing your key results mm. transparently, mm. you know? So like OKRs is one of the, one of, one of the best things that, that we've implemented like, and it's really, really, you know, led us to, to where we are today. Like. Right. Look to be That's to be great. honest, this this quarter's OKRs are completely like written off like, because with MCO and everything, everything is thrown off, like, right? How how do you do an OKR during an MCO? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like we, we can't even execute these things. Like. So you know, so we write off this quarter, then we, we, we look at the next quarter's OKRs. Right, right. So um yeah, you know, I mean that's that's how that's how we do it like. Okay. Right. Just just curious, what 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 OKR tools do you guys use? Uh we use a, a software called Week Done. Week done. Yeah. Okay. So I can't remember how much we pay for it. We pay for it lah. But mm. you don't have to, you can even use like Google Sheets. Mm. Yeah. We pay for it because actually our um our team is very small, you know. Our team up to today is maybe 30, 30 odd full time team, team members. Mm-hmm. So um but everyone punches well above their weight. So we make sure that we keep the team small. But mm. as much as we can we we will spend on the software. Yep. You know? So we spend on a lot of software, also the software lah. As a company, we're, we're very team focused, right? And and I mean, to be honest, right? To be fair, everybody everybody says that. Every right. I don't know a single company that doesn't say, "Oh, we are we are never team focused. <laughs> we are not employee first, or yeah. we'll take care of the employee." I don't know a single one. You know, everybody says that, right. but but you know, it's it's in actions that we can prove it. Like right now, right now, mm. this is the time when you can see who really means it and who doesn't. Mm. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. In a, in a crisis, right? So, yeah. so far in Colony, like, look, we're, we're very materially impacted by this mm. lockdown and, and all that. We're, we're very materially impacted you know, with our events. Of course, and yeah. um, but we have no, we haven't instituted a single pay cut so far. Mm. Uh, we haven't, um, nobody has been forced to take any leave during MCO, right? It's, mm. it's all like a regular work day. We, mm. we have all sorts of benefits, like not just like insurance and all that. We have like, for example, we pay for your we pay for a Netflix or Spotify subscription for a year for each of our team members. Hmm. Uh, we we have like oh. certain like certain allowances and all that, right? None of them have been cut. None of them have wow. been cut at this point. We we, we we try to cut costs in every other angles, but for the team, right, we try to hold it together. And hmm. and we're also very empathetic at the way we deal with the team, right? Because um before the MCO happened, we we had a briefing with the team. We we're like, okay, okay, in the next two months, shit's gonna hit the fan. Uh, you're yeah. gonna see your friends getting laid off. You might have the anxiety about shit. When is my turn coming? Yeah. Um, so what we did is that we told the team, okay, this is our financials now. This right. is how much money we have to lose before we really do institute some cuts, right? Um, and right. and you know this is what we need to do to stay away from that. So uh, right. you know everyone in a way is it takes out the uncertainty. Everyone's very aware whether we're gonna get cut or not. Right. Right. And and they they know they're empowered to, to act a certain way lah. Right, yeah. For I, right. I think the MCO is definitely one of the unforeseen things that you see any company who has bragged about themselves or any company that has like put themselves in super high regard. Yeah. Uh, this past three months, you've really seen like who really takes people first. I mean, I mean, given given, yeah. uh, some smaller companies don't have the capability to. I uh, that's that's understood, but. It's been such a huge shift going through it, definitely. Yeah. 
So yeah. I guess let's move on to something that I also wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah. Recently, I, I saw your Instagram post about being an introvert, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess many people have this misconception where, oh, extroverts make a better leader, introverts uh, may have a certain characteristics. Do you think, do you personally think, I mean, I, I don't think that's a right or wrong answer, but do you personally think there is a correlation for that? And, and personally, do you think introverts or extroverts make a better leader for the team? I, I don't think introverts or extroverts actually make better leaders. Mm. Um, no, and look, there's a different types of leaders excel in different types of situations mm. or, or different types of companies, different types of businesses, you know? Mm-mm. So it's, um, it's, it's hard to draw a line up. Mm. But generally, I think leaders tend to, good leaders, right? Okay, good leaders do only one thing. La. They, they know how to attract good people to work with them mm. um, to achieve a very common, clear goal. Mm. Right? So they, they attract talent rather than repel talent. It, okay, a good leader is very self-aware and very empathetic because he knows how to deliver feedback to a person in a, mm. in a manner in which it will not close a person off. Mm. Right? So if I'm very blunt about it, I'm saying, hey, your, your world is shit. You know, then you get defensive and then you can't accept that feedback and then you can't grow from there. Yeah. You know? but, yeah, but a good leader knows how to like, communicate the same thing to you, but in a way in which you don't come off like you're attacking, you're being attacked, but like, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, let we're in the same boat together. Let's, let's try to work with you on this thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a good leader, I think, is, is very self-aware of their own actions as well. So mm. uh, they know when they hurt people um, mm. and, and they know when to, when to make up for it. You know, right. a good leader knows how to, to never make it personal. So you never say like, hey, you know, you're incompetent or what, or you're stupid or what, you know, never, you, you, you never criticize the person. You, you criticize the work, right. but never the person. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I think a good leader has to have a very, very clear goal, very, very clear direction. Right. And, and I think a good leader must, you must create an environment where people feel safe enough to take risk and, and speak right. up. You know, they don't feel like, oh shit, I don't want to give this idea because I'll get shot out anyway. Oh, I don't look stupid, you know. It's like, you know, we have to make people feel safe enough that they are willing to, to criticize stupid ideas. And, um, you know, and, and so at the end of the day, the, the, the best ideas win. Now. Good leaders are. But of course, knowing that, right, and, and being right. there is, is a whole different thing altogether. The most important thing is actually realizing that I'm not that important. In, in this life, in this world, uh, not that important. Like, honestly, if I die tomorrow, maybe um, some, some people will attend my wake and, and then they'll talk about it for like a week or two and that's it, man. Life goes on. Right. You know, lockdown, easing, everyone's going back tomorrow, everything's normal, like, you know, that's it. You know, even my own family will move on, right? right. I want them to move on. Heck, I don't want them to be crying over me for like, and not move on for, for like years to come. Right, absolutely. So I'm, I'm not that important, right? And... And heck, I mean, King Henry, for example, was so, so freaking important during his time, but how often do we even talk about him today, right? So no matter how big we are at a certain time, right, we're actually not that important in the whole grand scheme of things. Hmm. So if we're not that important, right, then, then, then we kind of, when we take the angle, right, then we, we find the need to, to, 
defend ourselves a, a bit a bit less lah. You know, yeah. people are attack our, us or our self-esteem. We we're like, okay, okay, you know. So what? You know, I, I don't have this knee-jerk reaction to, to defend it. Right. But now on the flip side of it is that everybody wants to feel important. Mm. So if you mm-hmm. take that that thing out of yourself and say, okay, I don't, I'm not important, but I know everyone wants to feel important. So why not I focus on making that someone else feel important sincerely, mm. Right. Right. And I found that um, in the past two or three years when I've been doing it, um, it's it's just made me a better person, and mm. and I work so much better. Not just with my team, my colleagues, but you know, with with our landlords, with our vendors, with our clients, you know. Um, I, I I work a lot better with them lah. So, mm. and I, I feel a lot. I, I feel a lot more calm as well. I, I don't react to things. Come on, I mean, you guys are in advertising, what? Right. right. When was the last time you got an angry email from a client saying your work was shit and asked you to shoot a video? Was right. it like two days ago or something? You know, it's quite common. <laughs> yeah, like every week you'll get some like knee-jerk inducing kind of email or angry email that we will give right. you like fuck you know yeah but if you actually take a step back and like whoa shit actually i'm not that important and heck this isn't that important a year from now you won't even be thinking about what you're doing for this particular campaign or brand right, right? right. Just, just just get through this you know right right just get one more karma yeah. every pizza has a secret sauce to it mm. a good pizza lot, right mm. so what would be your version of a secret source of success to a business. No man, I mean when I get there, then I'll let you know. What about as of current state? Like what <laughs> what makes colony where it is right now? Right. Or you or, or even you as an individual, like as a person, as a leader. Um, I mean personally, I don't think I've proven myself to be a, a successful entrepreneur or anything like that. Um, right. Sure. You know, Whatever yeah. you see. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't I, re- I really don't But, but that, that's a good sign. I think that's, that, that is that difference, right? Between your younger self and your current self, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and even in Colony, like, I, and something I very openly share with the team, you know, I think we haven't, well, I, I love the team. I think we, we, we've done well with growing and everything. We built a company that was worth nothing to, you know, worth something on, on paper today, at least. Sure. Um, but, you know, we haven't really proven ourselves. The real proof is when we're making like enormous profits from what we're doing, you know, and we're not making enormous profits. Mm. So, um, we've found really, really good people. Mm. Really, 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 really good people that, that um, are more, you know, it's, it's one thing to be good. It's another thing to, to want to work in a team and also be motivated to, to work, you know. So, we found right. a, a mix of all these things. Thanks again, team. Yeah. joining us anyway this is going to be uploaded on the same week of Father's Day so happy Father's Day to both of you thank hey, you thanks Ryan. <laughs> happy Father's Day hey, happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day. <laughs> yeah oh, so man. stay tuned for the next episode uh, remember to also watch this share, share this video to your friends to your team to your colleagues uh, to anyone who you, whom you think that might, may find this useful um, that's about it thank you okay, alright thank you, you. alright okay see you guys Bye, thanks for having me on. Bye. 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 Bye.